God's love can be a sunny day. But remember, as you go closer and closer to that sun, God's love becomes a consuming fire. Welcome, everyone, to EKSB, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike. G- <laughs> I gotta start that whole thing over because you guys are waving. Right when I start, my wife walks in. Dave's waving to me like a goofball. <laughs> Thank you, love. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to welcome everyone again to EKSB, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by my cynical co-host, Dave, the perpetual penitent Van Vickle. How are you, Dave? <laughs> I'll take that one. I love it. I love it. I, I spent a lot of time on the perpetual penitent. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, that's what the, that's what France they used to call Francis before they became the Franciscans. They were the penitents of Assisi. Oh no, I totally knew that. I love it. I love it. Hey, and that's why our favorite uh, Franciscan priest, the president of Franciscan University, that's why the TORs, uh, which is their branch of Franciscans, wear black. It's yeah, the penitent, penitent, right. penitent right. movement. Yeah, yeah. What were you gonna say? Um, it. We had a snowstorm here yesterday. Uh, we had a freeze yesterday. Oh, really? really? When I drove okay. to go that pick up my dog, better. it we, was twenty degrees. It was it was awful. It was. Ugh. I honestly, I just, I hate, I, I hate snow so much, and mo- the only thing I hate more than snow is people who try to convince me that I don't hate snow. Yesterday, I got my hair cut, <laughs> and the lady was like, "Yeah, but you know," uh, she was like, "Do you like Pittsburgh?" I was like, "I love everything but the weather," and she was like, "Yeah, but you know, you love. I'm sure you love the Four Seasons, and I, I'm sure you love." getting out of that humidity down in Texas. And I and I wanted to say, like, why can't you just let me not like the weather? <laughs> I didn't say that, but I wanted to say that. No, stop telling me what I'm supposed to like. <laughs> it, it was making me so mad. You go on and on about a blanket of white snow that covers Mother Earth, and all I'm thinking is I got to I gotta plow through that stuff. Yeah, exactly. No, right. thank you. Um, Hey, we have something really cool to talk about before we dive into the show. We have a new thing that Ascension Press is doing with us. It's a uh, text to subscribe and you get uh, a weekly PDF newsletter thing of our five practical takeaways. So let me read to you what they wrote to us. I think it's awesome. If you pull out your uh, cellular information device and you fire up text messages, <laughs> also known as a phone, uh, you text EKSB to 33777, such a pious number. They'll uh, add you to the email list and they'll send out show notes every week and a PDF with the takeaways once a month. So I think this could be cool. We're going to be talking about this next several weeks. Uh, Again, text EKSB to 33777 and you'll get added to their email list. I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited. That's like that's like blowing my mind. You know, for me, I, uh, the technologies makes me real nervous. So. You, <laughs> you might just as, learned how to text last yeah, week, right? Very exactly. Exciting. You might as well have just done a commercial for Big Brother, right? Um, <laughs> so we also we also have an apology, Dave, the perpetual penitent. <laughs> oh, today. that's right. Yes. Yes. No, I, I, I don't this. know about an apology. A clarification. No. No. You will apologize, Dave, to everyone in a stewardship parish, especially the entire Catholic diocese. <laughs> Of Wichita, you will apologize. Well, they all emailed me, so I might as well. No, I. That was so funny. So yeah, yeah, me and Dave were just. (laughs) It was a train wreck, which this is quickly becoming. But 
Uh, uh, first of all, I always make extreme statements. Everyone should know that. You should by now. You should understand that. I just that's what I. If I say if I like someone, I say they're my best friend. That's the way it is, <laughs> right? That's you're so. not a, you're not a man of the middle. You're just an no. extreme, yeah. one side or the other. Right. So, uh, go ahead. You're what's wrong with our political process? <laughs> um, but no. So we just wanted to clarify a couple things. We did not mean to put every stewardship parish on blast and. The Catholic Diocese of Wichita, <laughs> Dave is going to fly out tomorrow to personally go to every pastor and apologize. I am absolutely uh, not doing that. I'm so proud of you, Dave. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Uh, he's going to be wearing black and striking himself with a disciplina. Yeah. Um, but the the reality is there are a bunch of parishes who are doing stewardship right. And stewardship is an authentically Catholic concept. And tithing, the thing I want to say is tithing was not it came across wrong. Dave wasn't saying that tithing is a Protestant concept no, only. No. Obviously it's in the Bible all over the place. In fact, in the Council of Trent there's a canon that says that uh it, it basically if like a local prince or magistrate interferes with the collection of the tithe that they can be uh, excommunicated. So obviously this as a Catholic what we were saying is this suddenly became a thing in the Catholic Church right. a few years ago because of its heavy push. I like it. I like tithing. Yeah. Right. I like tithing. Yeah. I just I, no one ever no one does it. So that's that's the that's why it's become more evangelical. Let's find another yeah. group that we can disenfranchise today. How about the US bishop? Oh, oh wait, no. Yeah. You did that a couple weeks ago. No, they, they do that themselves, Gomer. They do that themselves. <laughs> When everybody was texting me yesterday, Gomez got elected the president of the USCCB. Isn't that great news? And I just text back, why? Did he disband the USCCB? <laughs> Anyways. So, see, this is the extremes of Dave. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, But today we're going to talk about something. I, we're kind of getting back yeah. to the roots. Okay. The roots yeah. of evangelization. What we're going to talk about is. Uh, the real topic is just God's love, right? God's love, his transforming love, and mostly the fact that um, just kind of a call, a clarion call, right? A call to action to realize that God's love and his personal love for each and every one of us is a, a revolutionary idea to most people, right? And, and what I mean by that is for a lot of us, you know the old saying, right, that Catholics have gotten just enough of the gospel that they're immune to it. It's like we've been vaccinated against the gospel. This is kind of what happens with God's love, right? We've been told God loves you so many times that it's not really a revolutionary idea for us uh, like it is for probably the majority of the people that you encounter throughout the day, okay? Uh, there are people walking out on your sidewalk right now who have no idea that God has a personal and passionate love for them, and that can change your life. And and I want to kind of um, kind of tell you a, a few things about that. You know, when you don't realize right that God's love is what moves history, is God's love is what wins the day, that God's love is what will be eternally right, no matter what politically, financially, socially, culturally happens. In the end, we have love to hold on to, and we know that that's what wins. Like, if you don't have that idea in your life, it can be a scary place. The world can be a scary place, right? Because then you're like, you're either up to like your rugged individualism, right? You're going to pull yourself out of this. Uh, it could be the fate. It could be chance. It could be luck. It could be any of these things that God's love 
can totally smash those things and really change a person's life. And so what we want to do today is kind of talk about like the transforming power of the message of God's uh, passionate love for each and every one of us. And I, and I want to throw out a clarification at the beginning. Remember, when we say God's love, I, we always want to use like uh, an analogy like it's the sun, right? God's love can be a sunny day, and that's nice, and that's what you're probably going to think like, well, most speakers talk about the sunny day, and we are talking about that. But remember, as you go closer and closer to that sun, God's love becomes a consuming fire, right? And so we're not saying God's love in, in, a, in like a hippie sense or in like a, a way like, oh, God loves you just the way you are. He does, but he loves you too much to stay the way you are. He draws you into that love, and then we hit that consuming fire. So I want to give you an example of uh, of someone who's had their life completely changed by the message of just the idea that God loves them. Okay, so I think I mentioned this before. Um, for many years, my adult life, for many years, I've uh, supplemented my income by working in bars, as uh, working security in bars. I don't do it anymore. Like as of like four years ago, I stopped, but. Um, I used to always try to do like a lot of bar ministry when I was working as a bouncer and I would like try and talk to people about Jesus there and talk to them about God's love and everything like that. And, and for the most part, everyone just thought I was weird. They didn't like, they weren't like offended by it, but there was a guy who I worked with. Um, I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him John for this, for this, uh, uh, podcast. So John um, was another bouncer who I worked with, and he really took a lot of offense to the fact that I would talk to people about Jesus in the bar, and he would make fun of me all the time. He called me the altar boy or Father Dave or whatever, you know. Like, yeah, you know all those all those Catholic, you know. Slashes, Did he ever right? call you the perpetual penitent? Never, was... ever. Okay. And he was, all right. yeah, he was a lot scarier than you. So. Um, <laughs> But uh, John, anyways, we, we continued on. John was a terrifying guy. He was like a bodybuilder. When I knew him, he was like 330 pounds, and he was 3% body fat, okay, which is a terrifying wow. end of, Yeah, he was, he was gross, just disgusting, right? Um, but one night uh, when I was leaving this particular bar that I worked at with him, right, uh, I was saying goodbye to everyone. It was my last night, and, you know, the waitresses were crying and stuff like that, and and. Uh, and people were hugging me and, and, and John was just sitting on the top of, on the hood of his Hummer, just ripping into me that night, you know? So everyone leaves and it's just me and him. And I, and I say like, you know, what, what's your problem with me? You know, I just like sit, throw it out all out there. He jumps yeah. and gets in my face, you know, and he's like, I don't like the way, you know, that you judge me. And I'm like, what are you talking about me? I've never judged you. I said, you know, and he's like, I don't like the way, the way you live your life makes me feel bad about mine. You know, you're always talking about God's love, God's love, God's love, you know. So I like start walking away from him and and he's like, I, I want to know why you're so happy, you know. So I like turn around. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm serious. I, I need I want to know why you're so happy. Like he's dead serious. So I say to him, like, look, man, when I was like 14 years old, my parents made me go to this thing called a Steubenville conference. And he goes, a Steubenville conference? You know, and I was like, yeah, I thought that same thing, right? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had this experience of God's love, and it was like a an unbelievable encounter with Christ. And I, I, I knew for the first time in my life that, like, I was loved not just by my family, but I was loved by the eternal lover, right, Who whose love wins the day, whose love wins history whose love will remain right forever and ever and ever who is love and i said it changed my life completely you know and i started to walk away again and he said well no no i want to know like what do i do 
I turned around. I said, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, you know, and he said, I said, look, man, I, I have to go. I don't really know what to tell you. I said, maybe, maybe just think about that. Like that God just loves you so much. Like he loves you so much. And I know you don't feel that way, but that's what he feels about you. He's not mad at you. He's not distant from you. He just loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Go home and just like say a prayer. Say like, God, if, if you're real, prove it to me. And if you love me, show me. And I left. Right. And this guy, uh, two years later, emailed me on, or messaged me on Facebook saying, Hey, is this the Dave Van Vickle that worked at this place? You know, and I I wrote him back, said, Hey John, how are you doing? You know? And, and, uh, he said, uh, you won't believe what happened. You know, I'm the happiest person I've ever met. I, I might even be happier than you are, you know? So we start writing back and forth and, and, uh, he tells me that, look, he, he went basically and he went home and he started to pray this prayer and nothing happened. And he got angry and and nothing would happen. And every day he'd pray this prayer. And he said he literally was praying it so that 20 years from now he could find me and call me up and say, your God does not exist. You know? Wow. And he's, yeah. Amazing. I mean, that kind of spite, right? So this kind of gives you an, like an idea of what he was like, right? So <laughs> he said about, you know, a long time after he'd been praying this prayer, he basically, his life spiraled out of control. His fiance left him. He lost his job. All these things happened. He was doing horrible. Uh, his, his, his things were being repossessed. He was like in all kinds of debt and everything like that. And he said he sat in his apartment and he, and he got down on the floor and he said for the first time he was like open enough to say, God, please, if you're real, I have to know. If you love me, I have to know. And he said he had this incredible experience, just like I did at a Steubenville conference, of God's love, right? That for the first time in his life, it sunk in, and he was able to say, like, oh, God really is love, and that's what he feels towards me, and everything changed for him. And so my point in sharing this story with you is that I think for a lot of us, we think that we have to come up with, like, an exciting message or an exciting story, or we have to, like get into like the intricacies of the philosophy of Catholicism, which is good to have all that. But truly, we don't realize how revolutionary just the story of God's passionate love for you is and how easy it is to share that with people um, because most people have heard it, but it hasn't sunk in yet. And maybe you're that person who finally just gets it across to them. Whenever we, uh, number one, that story is awesome. Oh, that story is awesome because it's it's one of those things where you realize like if you weren't there completely over and over again witnessing to this, the impact that you had on those people, he wouldn't have had this experience. Right. But also it shows you how you are, <laughs> are just a drop of water in the ocean of what God is up to because you told him this thing and then it went, what if you just prayed with him right then and nothing happened and then he was, right. he was like, and it was over. how dare you? Right. Yeah. You know, and so that's the beautiful thing about the, the spiritual component of what we're trying to emphasize that if God, the father loves his children more than I love my own children, um, then we can depend upon this love of God to move mountains for us. Um, and like the prophet DMX says, God may not come when we want, but yo, he's always on time. It's important for us to remember that God's timing, like we want everything right now, now, now. And the other day I was praying with a couple and, and my whole thought was like, God, if you were to do a miracle right now, 
Like they would be forever changed. But I don't know that because I right. have seen people be healed and I have needed to go back to confession. It wasn't a substantial proof enough that it radically changed my life. What changes people's lives is the realization that God is love and that love is poured out for us even in the face of our hostility. Right. And 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 again, like like what Gomer was kind of getting at and what I was trying to say is that's not to say that this is all just like, you know, rainbows and roses, right? I mean, right. like God's love is hard. It, and it's going to be the hardest thing that you ever have experienced eventually, right? That God draws you in, but he's a gentleman, right? So he draws you in slowly and eventually it starts to get hotter and hotter and hotter and he's going to start to strip you of those things that he he can't that can't be in his presence, right? Because he loves you so much. So it it, it really is the opening. God's yeah. love is the opening towards everything he wants to do in your heart and it also is is just incredibly appealing. Right. I mean, it, ju- yeah. it really is just incredibly appealing because every other love that people are getting is conditional or it's like half love. So, yeah. so like with teenagers, I mean, you know, you, you tell them God loves them. It, it literally is probably the only person in their life that they feel loved fully by or they could feel loved fully by. Yeah. So I do talks all the time for. Uh, high school students. So I was up in Canada, wonderful group of people up there in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And I did one talk for a high school in the morning, another one in the afternoon. And then the next day I gave five 40 minute talks at this other high school. Yikes. And they all said the same thing. It didn't matter where they were. They all said the same thing. All of these kids in this Catholic school, most of them are Catholic. Almost none of them go to mass. Almost none of them actually believe. And so when it comes to doing the atheist thing, right, like responding to their implicit or explicit atheism, I have a whole bunch of arguments that I kind of walk through and think about and, you know, propose to the kids. But the main thing I do is focus on the love of God, because for so many of them, as you were saying, love is performance based. You do this, behave this way, get these grades, do this. I give you love, respect, affirmation, whatever it might be. To encounter a God who, to understand fully that they exist because God's love willed them into existence, that is something that is fundamentally new to them, even though they might have an A++ in their religion class, Um, but to encounter the love of God. So what I try to do in my talks is to get to show them the poverty of our human love, right? So I have this ridiculously stupid exercise that works for people all the time. So can I just do it real quick with you, Dave? Oh, I, I would love to. Okay, Did so it? I learned this I from Reverend Tim too. <laughs> you are so affirming. Um, <laughs> no, but I got this from Reverend Timothy Keller where he breaks down the Samaritan woman at the well. And okay. here's this woman who's an outcast woman of an outcast people and a Jew who has nothing in common with Samaritans comes alone and asks her for a drink. And it's so fascinating, all the intricacies of it, but... The kind of the climax of the whole thing is right when this woman is finally realizing all that Christ is, um, he then stops abruptly and says, go get your husband. And then the woman says, well, I don't have a husband. And he's like, you're right in saying you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. The one you're with now is not your husband. He was revealing to her that he has known her the whole time. He knew her story the entire time. She thought she had to hide her story so that he would not be yet another person to reject her. 
And so when he reveals that he's known her story the whole time and he hasn't rejected her. I like it. It causes a radical transformation. So Reverend Timothy Keller says, he knows you all the way down to the soles of your feet and loves you all the way to the stars, right? Like it's a little sentimental saying. But this is how I teach. I say every human person desires two things above all, to be known and loved. If you are loved but not known, what is that? And I let the kids think about it. And I said, that's superficial in a week. Now, here's my fun, stupid analogy. I said, so the other day, and they love this. Dave, I want to encourage (laughs) you to use this. I said, so the other day I was with 40,000 of my favorite friends, closest friends in middle school. And we were at a Taylor Swift concert. (laughs) And uh, Tay-Tay's up there and she finishes her last song. And I I say Tay-Tay and it's awesome. And I'm leaving. And as I'm leaving... Taylor Swift gets back on the microphone and she says this. And I'm like, and I couldn't believe it. Stop me in my tracks. I turn around and she says, and to all my fans, I love you. (laughs) And we all start crying. Yeah. And I call my wife and, and, and I'm like, honey, I'm a chubby little homeschooler. I don't know what it's like to be in a love triangle. Like, do we call a divorce attorney? Do we deal with custody? Like, what do we do? Taylor Swift is in love with me. How do I deal with that? Right. And the kids laugh. And I'm like, how stupid is that? We all know it's stupid because when Taylor Swift looks at me, she sees dollar signs or a yacht in the Mediterranean. She doesn't see a person that she loves. But what's the opposite of that? So that's superficial, to be loved but not known. But what about the opposite, to be known but not loved? That is our greatest nightmare. Every man, every woman, doesn't matter what, our greatest nightmare is for people to say, I know you, I know the real you, how could I ever, how could anyone ever love you? And our fear of that drives us to the other love, to the other version of being loved but not known. So we're fake and we lie and we're one type of person with one group and a totally different type of person with another group. We try to perform or we try to rebel or we try to do all these things because ultimately, right, even even the Facebook picture from 20 pounds ago, right, like everything right. that we do to pose and posture is us crying out, will you just love me even if you don't know the real me? That's what social media was invented for. <laughs> and so when when you begin to say this to the kids, right. they, I mean, it, not everyone, but it puts the seed in them to get them to realize like, okay, yeah, I do that thing. I act for love even when I hide what I really think and who I really am, right. because I'm scared that if they got to know who I am, they would not love me. And then you show them the God. And that's when I introduce the Samaritan woman at the well, how he knew her the whole time and wasn't going anywhere. And when you have that revelation sit upon your shoulders, right, like the weight of it pushing down on you, the yoke of the gospel, it is one of those things that becomes a burden that frees you. You know, you're like, God loves me. No, no, no. God loves me. God loves me as an individual. How do I know that God loves me as an individual? Well, look at the story of the Samaritan woman. There were 13 men going to Samaria, and he sends 12 people to go buy food. Right. How many of you have ever had a party where you have a group of people and you send 99% of the people to go buy food for 100% of the people? No one does. You send like three people to go get the food. Right. Right. Jesus sends them all away because he had a date with a woman at a well. And if you ever read the book of Genesis, you know that's where men meet their wives. And this woman was a Samaritan. They only had the Torah, the five books of the Bible. And she calls him a prophet, which is the statement that... Now, because I'm a theological nerd, I know all the layers. But any human person can read that story and be like, whoa. Yeah. He knew her the whole time, and yet here he is loving her. You go four chapters later, this um, woman caught in adultery. Woman, is there anyone to condemn you? 
No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The love of God is the one that first accepts, it comforts the afflicted, and then it purifies, like you said. It afflicts the comfortable, right? right? So once we understand God's love and we're secure in his love, that's when he begins to push us into the refining fires that says, my love for you makes you lovely. My love for you makes you lovely. And that's the impact of the gospel. And that's what it can be for everyone who receives Christ. So I would encourage you right now, uh, before Dave responds, I want to get a couple of scripture verses for you. Um, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. If you are not a loving person, I don't mean the emotional thing, I mean the decision to commit yourself to willing the good for other people. If you are not a loving person and you know theology, you don't know God. God is of love is of God and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. This is why St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the reasons why he said it is better to love God than to know God. What does he mean by that? Meaning he's, he, he, he talks about uh, beings that are lower than humanity. It is better to know them to, to love them because in knowing them, you bring them up to the level of our dignity but we can't, things that are above us, we can't right. truly know them uh, unless they make the move on, on their end. So he said to love them means we want to become like them. And so obviously it involves knowing and, and loving the reciprocation there. But the surrender, the surrender that we have, when I paint this for teenagers, I say, let me prove to you from the Christian example that God loves you and it's not performance-based. In this is love, not that we loved God, First John 4.10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. Now, you have that there. What does that mean? It means that God's love, one, willed you into existence. Number two, you rebelled against his love, but that didn't drive him away. He then sent his son to die, to destroy the thing that holds you back from receiving his love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's verse 10. You drop down to verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Um, Bishop Robert Barron, in one of his sermons uh, two weeks ago on the story of Zacchaeus, which is my other go-to to illustrate this point, um, the story of Zacchaeus, uh, he calls it the love of predilection, predilection, um, which is essentially God's love makes me lovely. Not right. I become lovely and then God loves me. Right. So the story of Zacchaeus, he was a terrible man, a chief tax collector, right? And Jesus walked straight up to him. Everyone in the town hated Zacchaeus. That's why they didn't make room for him. Walked straight up to him and says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for tonight. I will dine at your house. Zacchaeus hurries down, throws the party. Jesus comes. They're surrounded with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and Pharisees. And all the Pharisees are ticked off. Everyone in the town is ticked off. And Zacchaeus stands up and says... I will give half my possessions to the poor, and whatever I've defrauded, I will pay back fourfold restitution. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house, for this man's a child of Abraham. Right. What do you mean by life. that? Yeah, it was a change of life. Jesus, he encountered Jesus, then the life change happened. It's not the other way around, but so many Catholics think it's the other way around. I have to be good enough, and then God will love me. God is not your fickle dad or your fickle mom or your coach or whatever burden or wound of love that we have. God's love makes you desire to be loved by God. Awesome.
Awesome. I love both those, and I'm going to steal both of them and use them all the time. The- all the time. And I think even our audience has heard me say this because I posted maybe three of my talks um, okay. for for the for the crowd. And Dave, they want your talks. If boo, you have uh, like boo. a – What? No, I don't like rec- – I hate recording my talks. You will stop it. You will stop it. You will Let's, give us your talks. But, but, but you know, the thing is, what I want you to, what, what I want you to like take away from from this podcast, this episode is, like, this is easy, right? I mean, this is the yeah. easiest entry point to evangelization that there is. God's love is not easy. In fact, it's the hardest thing that anyone will ever experience eventually. But it's an easy entry point because it's very easy. One. To just love people, just do what yeah. Jesus did and love people. That I mean, that's it's not easy, but it's an easy decision to make. Yeah. And number two, it's pretty easy to talk about God's love. It's pr- I mean, it's not you don't have to know all kinds of crazy formulas and all kinds of philosophy and everything. Uh, God is love. Period. And you know, there's a beautiful story about uh, the the Apostle John when he was old and infirm and talking to the churches. Right, um, he, they would bring him around on a stretcher. And the and the the legend goes that all he would ever say to anyone in his last days was, "Brethren, let us love one another." That's it. So they would like be thinking like, "This is John. He knew Jesus, right? He's going to come and tell us these amazing things. He, he wrote the gospel, right? I mean, all these things." And all he would say is, "Brethren, let us love one another." That's it. It's a beautiful story, right? Of how we can literally change the world through the proclamation of love and not in a hippie sense, in a real sense, right? Like that we can literally invite God to consume the world with his love. Yeah, we can partner with God. We can participate with God's all-consuming love. Like don't, it doesn't that sound better than convincing people that you're right and they're wrong? Like that's the point where truth and love have to coincide. Um, Reverend Timothy Keller has this great line where he talks about so often Catholics divide left and right lines of what matters most gospel neighboring you know loving your neighbor supporting your neighbor encouraging your neighbor justice for your neighbor versus gospel messaging right the doctrinaire right. the um morally upright moral rectitude correct moral teaching and he said so often they are at loggerheads you know they're in opposition at enmity with each other he said but the early church if it teaches us anything it's that gospel neighboring paves the way for the gospel message Right, Jesus didn't say love your neighbor as yourself if they're going to convert. He says love your neighbor as yourself full stop, right? He right, says love right. one another as I have loved you. That's agape, self-sacrificial love. And that so the Christian community, like you were saying brethren love one another. That's 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for God is of love and he who loves is born of God and knows God. And then the whole thing over and over again, uh we love because he first loved us. That's verse 19. Verse 20. Right. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen. He cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should love his brother also. So much of the Christian life is dependent on the hardest but simplest thing, which is I want to love you. Not a metaphorical neighbor right? But an actual neighbor. And it reminds me of the Good Samaritan, right? The man comes to Jesus and asks him a question, wishing to justify himself. That's how Luke sets it up, wishing to justify himself. So Jesus shocks him with a priest and a Levite ignore their fellow Jew, and then a Samaritan comes 
and saves this guy's life. So then Jesus says, which one was a neighbor to the man? And the man said, the one who helped him. Couldn't even say the Samaritan. And then Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. What Jesus flipped it was not who is my neighbor, but who am I neighboring to? Who am I being neighbor to? And that's where he radically shifts the conversation. Oh, you're my neighbor, you're my neighbor, you're my neighbor. No, no, no. I'm called to be neighbor to you, to you, to you. And I find that so often we get completely off the rails when we think that evangelization is apologetics, is philosophy, is theology. Evangelization is opening someone's heart, maybe using those things, but opening their heart to the to the ineffable poverty of the divine incarnate crucified love, right? You just imagine that. That's what Hans-Urs von Balthasar said, the divine incarnate crucified love. If you experience that, everything changes. It does. It's revolutionary. And be- just believe us, believe us, it's easy to change someone's life with the message of God love, God's love. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, uh, sign up for our email, uh, the email list. It, you're going to get an email of the five practical takeaways in the show notes. Uh, all you have to do is text EKSB to 33777. EKSB to 33777. Please uh, sign up for the email list. We want to we hear from you. As always, email us at EKSB at ascensionpress.com if you have any questions about uh, evangelization, discipleship. We uh, we might put you on the air or something like that, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely get to your questions somehow. Gomer answers a lot of them by email, and I try my best. Um, but again, EKSB at ascensionpress.com. When we come back, we're going to have your five practical takeaways. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. Special thanks to Ascension Press for putting together this show and sponsoring us and all that good stuff. As well, a quick reminder to text EKSB to 33777 and Ascension will take care of you. They'll send you show notes weekly and the PDF with the takeaways once a month. So that's EKSB at 33777. Okay, now we're coming up to those practical takeaways. Number one. Now, this is fun. This is just supposed to be a fun one, okay? Everyone take a deep breath <laughs> and listen to Kanye's newest album, Jesus is King, especially the last song where Kanye sings, Every knee shall not bend, oh. but bow. Oh, that's, that's the worst. Stop. Uh, My voice is number, beautiful. My voice is num- beautiful. Num- Number two, uh, the USCCB, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, just finished meeting when you hear this episode, and uh, we need to pray for them. You know, it's clear that yeah. uh, good things are happening, but also that there's a battle. Uh, there's a battle for the heart of the church here, and, and we need to pray for them. So just add them to your attentions this week, and that's your intercessory uh, practical takeaway for the week. All right. Number three, uh, my goal for you is today, when you hear this, to sit down and read all of First John, super easy, barely an inconvenience. You can crush it. Yeah, read all of First yeah. John. And number four, similar. Uh, 
you know, we're, we're heading into Advent here soon, real soon. And uh, I think God's love is a great, great Advent meditation. And so what I want you to do is just download or purchase uh, Deus Caritas Est, God is Love by Pope Benedict XVI, a beautiful encyclical that will enrich your Advent. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that you could read just a little bit every day. Uh, it's divided up very nicely, so you could just take a little bit and try and get through it before Christmas, because um, it's just it's it's a great way to deepen our understanding of what God's love truly is. All right, number five. This is the boldness one, people. This is the uncomfortable one. I want you to share God's love with a stranger once this week between shows. Yep. I want you to do share it. God's love with a stranger, and next week Dave and I will do the same thing. Right, we'll share yep. God's love with the yep. stranger, and we'll talk about it at the top of next week's show. All right, y'all. This has been Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. Text us EKSB three three seven seven seven. God bless y'all. Bye.